0: Welcome back to Bridge the Gap. This is Shirley Smith. Today, what we will do is go over uh, review uh, some items in the book called Healing the Heart of Democracy. The author of this book is Parker J. Palmer. Parker J. Palmer is originally out of Illinois, Chicago, um, educated with and receiving a PhD in sociology from the University of California in Berkeley. Uh, has set up uh, a center for courage and renewal. And so he has written a book here that uh, the title is Healing the Heart of Democracy, The Courage to Create a Politics Worthy of the Human Spirit. I just felt that this book is so appropriate for this time and this season, especially since we're having elections all over the United States. And as we listen to the media, it can be discouraging. (laughs) (laughs) just to hear about the things that are going on. So let's review quickly. What is democracy? Since we're talking about democracy, what is that exactly? If we were to look in Webster Dictionary, it would say, uh, democracy is a system of government by the whole population of all the eligible members of a state, typically through elected representatives. And it also means can be thought of as power of the people. In other words, if you remember the phrase, we the people. So democracy is a government that is governed by the population, we the people. And so there's a quote in the book that I thought was appropriate. It says, what do I have in common with people who, for example, regard their religious and political convictions as so authoritative that they feel no need to listen to anyone who sees things differently. So my question to you today, how democratic is America? So we will listen to a number of things that Parker brings out uh, in his book. So hang in there. We will be right back. Welcome back to Bridge the Gap. Uh, we at Bridge the Gap, as you know, like to talk about how can we bridge gaps uh, and create uh, relationships if possible across cultures and nationalities, ethnicities. Uh, and so one of the ways that we feel that it has to occur is with us, each one of us. And so we have to consider our mind. So are we educated? Do we have enough information that is accurate? Uh, for us to make good decisions? Do we have enough facts so that we can make good decisions? We also want to look at our mind, body, spirit, and soul. So with the body, just take care of ourselves. Let's be healthy, both mentally and physically. And then also our spirit. What is actually there? Who are we really? And our soul, how do we feel about things? How are our emotions handling everything that's going on in America? and the world. So we think first that we need to look at ourselves and really know who we are. Because if we know who we are, then hopefully we can bridge some gaps in our society. Today we're looking at the book, Healing the Heart of Democracy, The Courage to Create a Politics Worthy of the Human Spirit, And this is by Arthur Parker J. Palmer. And so one of the things that we want to place here today is some of the definitions and thoughts that he's put out here for us. So it says, in our democracy, is there room for human dignity? Sound factual information from authors who do not look like us? Corrections of our history when we have proof that it is incorrect or missing valuable factual information? Is truth important in our democracy? That's something for us to think about. Is truth important in our democracy? One of the things that uh, Palmer gave as America sometimes is not understanding what has actually happened. They may not have all the facts. So he actually brought out uh, information that Bruce Riddle says uh, he experienced and witnessed being in the White House at the time that we had the 9-11 attack. And he said that there was much um, concern that we were blaming Iraq for the attack, but we didn't have proof of that. We didn't have proof. The Prime Minister, Tony Blair, did not have proof. Uh, and President Bush did not have proof. And we had a Saudi Arabian prince, Bander bin Sultan, who came to the United States to try to understand some of the accusations against Iraq. Uh, and so the, the thing is, is that we did move forward with a war, And so the question that he's bringing here is, do we have all the facts? Have we had a chance to really listen to everyone's voice? Have we had a chance to actually value people and what they bring to the table? And for those who want to have a voice, have we heard their voice? So Palmer talks about the heart meaning the heart of each one of us. He says the heart is the core of self. It's that center place where all of our ways of knowing converge. And and this, all of our ways of knowing includes, but not limited to, intellectual, emotional, sensory, intuitiveness, imaginativeness, our experience, and also other things all these things together become knowledge and that knowledge becomes fully human. And so we have to consider all of these things as we are. So then he asked the question, why is it that the wealthiest nation on earth is unable to end childhood hunger at home here in America? Why are we not able to contain the issue of childhood hunger. See he goes on to say that humans seem to have more problems with diversity than nature. So he describes examples like wildflowers. Wildflowers of various varieties, colors, shapes and they seem to have no problem getting along. <laughs> Our trees and animals and plants and All these things have no trouble with getting along. But for some reason, we seem to have a problem with diversity. Parker is concerned that the attention or lack of attention to diversity. And when we say lack of attention, we're saying that diversity is here but it's always it's not always appreciated. And so he feels that some of the politicians, those who are political leaders in our country, sometimes are, are purposing to mislead uh, people with their information, with their facts or lack of facts, with the hopes of conditioning Americans to believing that the stranger is different and the stranger is anyone who does not look like you. And so the stranger becomes demonized and, and the desire to eliminate the stranger. Uh, there is a desire to not listen to the stranger and not accept the contributions, the multiple contributions of those that we consider to not look like us. And he has a concern about that. One of the people that he had to... Uh, take a look at his book before it was published was Congressman John Lewis. And this is what John Lewis said. He said, we have been trying to bridge the great divides in this great country for a long time. In this book, Parker J. Palmer urges us to keep on walking, keep on talking, just as we did in the civil rights movements until we cross those bridges together. And so... The congressmen, among many others who actually did Fords and uh, little write-ups about this book, Healing the Heart of Democracy, have felt that we need to do a better job of pulling our democracy together, or we may be in danger of losing that democracy. There is a need for the human American heart to become more generous. So this is a quote from the book. It says, our society, as well as our souls, will suffer from shrinkage and stagnation. So in other words, if we don't work on our own hearts to help pull things together, we could actually lose our democracy. And that's, that's quite a bold statement. So he began to list ways in the books of how to increase our civic capacities. So, there are many things that he lists. One is that listen to each other. Have empathy for the stranger or for that person that does not look like you. Listen to other viewpoints, other perspectives. Do not just assume that only certain type people perspectives are to be respected. (laughs) Seek facts. Explore and engage in conversation, which allows or multidimensional thinking. Hold politicians accountable for their promises. Troubleshoot and problem solve among diverse people. This country is a very diverse population, has a very diverse population. And because of that, all voices need to be heard. He goes on to say, we need to begin to see the beauty of diversity and we also need to value diversity value diverse people. So, he goes on to say this, in America, we have fallen under the spell of money, individuals cunning in pursuit of wealth and power. So, he says, Americans are suffering from loss of jobs, homes, savings, fragmentation of community, hopeless sense that our personal and collective destinies are not no longer in our hands. As a result, violence is what we get when we do not know what else to do with suffering. Our inner emptiness manifests itself in consumerism and scapegoating to underlying heart conditions. And so this is where he takes us to the heart of each individual. What is actually in your heart? He talks about nature and nurture. And so our book club discussed that point of nature and nurture. How have we gotten to the place that we are as individuals and then also as groups and also collectively as a country, how did we arrive where we are with so much division? And where has our human dignity gone? Become who we are based upon anywhere from the way we were brought up as children and, and the way we were brought up has a, a lot to do with it, but also the environments that we're in. Everything, every part of your environment is going to affect you forever. And, 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 and you can leave here and go to Texas, from Texas to Peru, from Peru to whoever. All of that is going to affect you as a human being. And so that becomes that nurturing. It's not just nurturing from your parents. It's nurturing from your friends, your coworkers, your peers, your everything. And as you get into certain circles, certain circles are just looking after, can I make the highest amount of money? And so that is something that our country is made of. That is who we are. The only thing we have to do is recognize that is who we are. We need to be aware of when we're sitting down with ourselves we need to be aware of who we really are what is our real motive why do we do what we So much negative information out there, but he's very influential. That's what we're even finding in our education system. <laughs> There's so much negative information or a lack of information out there that the Episcopal Church has to sit down and educate the people again. You know, it's just, it's, it's, but, but that needs to happen because the Episcopal, somebody in the Episcopal Church sat down and said, wait a minute. This is who I am. This is what I think I've been called to do. This is what needs to happen. Oh, this is all in me. I have got to do something. I've got to say something. And so somebody formed Sacred Ground. Parker brings out the fact that we as individuals uh, have to know ourselves, first of all. What is in our heart? What is our motive? Uh, How have we been nurtured? Who has been some of the ones who have nurtured our hearts, which has caused us to think the way that we think? And that's whether negative or positive. We think the way that we think for a reason. And so he brought to our attention that we as an individual can start things and get things rolling. He talked about a Quaker by the name of John Woolman, and he was... One person who decided that slavery was wrong. And so he went one by one talking to Quakers all over the place, all over America. Uh, and this was in 1783 when the Quaker uh, religious group actually pulled together a petition and sent it to Congress asking that slavery not be allowed. And so the Quakers end up helping with the underground railroad system to help slaves to escape uh, during the times of, you know, slavery and brutality and all of that that uh, slaves were going through in America. But out of the efforts of one man deciding that now that I sit with myself, And I think about what we stand for as Quakers and as believers of God. This is not right. And he decided to convince everyone within his group and religion that that was not right. And so that caused, of course, you know, a ripple effect where others decided no more slavery or no more not paying people for what they are worth, they are working for you, they are helping you, they are benefiting your family, then they should be paid. And so if John Woolman went to a Quaker's home that had slaves working there, he himself would pay that slave for what they did for him while he was there. So, Parker goes on to talk about the habits of the heart Uh, There are ways to cultivate the heart. And he says, there are several. He mentions a spirit of hospitality to the stranger. And of course, we've talked about who the stranger is. Anyone that looks different than you. A habit of hope. Hope for one's own potential. Hope for that people will become better angels of our nature. Hope for equality in the midst of unjust and inhuman treatment. Humility, He says we, had, we have got to become more humble in that my truth is always partial and we need to understand that. My truth is always partial and may not be true at all. Therefore, we have to listen with openness and respect for all, especially for the stranger or the other.
1: A dialogue, and that's something that human beings were given—is that ability to be in dialogue with each other. And so, if your heart is broken open, you're more likely to be able to use your brain to come up with good solutions. Um, whereas if you're
2: We are rather than
0: what we think. <laughs> um. And then I guess I see the heart too is there has to be understanding. Uh, even if you go to the scriptures and you look up the Greek and the Hebrew, every time you see heart, if you really read that, you see that it really means your understanding. How do you understand this? So in order to understand.
2: Talks
0: about your book, but yeah, you have to listen to more than one perspective because yeah. you're what you're doing is you're analyzing what you're hearing, and so with that, hopefully, you're also having some conversation at some point in your life with
2: God.
1: But I think He will help you understand, it. yeah. Okay. Well, well, and that's where the education comes.
2: about the civil rights and slavery and stuff like that, that, you know, we did this and then we did this and then we did this and you know, reading Ibram Kendi's book on Stamped from the Beginning, how every time we did something this way to fix fix it, there was a law that got it put in place to reverse the power that shifted power so that the power didn't change but just think that surely it reminds me of what is happening now it's a shift but it's a shift that's been coming for a long time that's going like this and we're at the point where it's going like this and there's some folks over here who are not about to let go of the oil but then if you go back to the money
0: as he said
3: Yeah, no, I understand
2: that. I just hope we don't destroy the planet.
0: Okay, about the Quakers, which is on page 21. One guy.
2: Yeah, I like that too. Yeah.
0: And think about what was happening and decided that this is not
2: right. This is not Christian. And how long it took for it to change. Even for that group of people, which was were relatively all bigger, small, and, they were and, and they're all yeah. nonviolent people,
0: and you know, it's just, yeah. They had gotten caught up in, again, it's okay yeah. to oppress, yeah, there's revenue. Yeah. 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 We know how that has worked out for us over in the Western world, why is it Western world? has worked out for our countries is that we have we have legitimized oppression of humans when we know that it was wrong we knew it was wrong but we did it anyway because we got caught up in the
3: amount of money and revenue
2: I could not provide for myself. And then on page 32, it is the common good to hold our political differences and the conflicts they create in a way that does not unravel the civic community on which democracy depends. And then my understanding of citizenship and the common good are rooted in the beliefs I have held, the belief in democracy, I believe in American political institutions, and I believe in the power of the human heart. And then on page 43 and 45, the five habits, which we've already referenced. We must understand that we are all in it together. We must develop an appreciation of the value of otherness. We must cultivate the ability to hold tension in life-giving ways. We must generate a sense of personal voice and agency, and we must strengthen our capacity to create community. I could take each one of those things and go through and have a discussion about each one, because I think they're all really important. In fact, the three beliefs above as well but he explains it really well in the book. So I simplified it in the question, how can I or we align ourselves and support one another in these holding tensions in our hearts in a loving and affirming way? What seems like such an absurdly large task, he wrote on page 46. And I agree. (laughs) It just feels like even if we were all aligned with the things that we're doing and focused in our, in our work that the four of us as would, would go back and forth, never mind the millions of people that are on the planet. And then I loved the poem so I put it in there. Out of a great need we're holding hands and climbing not loving is in letting go listen, the terrain around here is far too dangerous for that by Wall Nice, yeah. So this is a how question. It's a what to do kind of how. How do we do this?
0: One of the things that I would say that I would do when I'm dealing with others, especially if this is again a spiritual place, I like to go to 1 Corinthians 13 about love and I can have all these things and do all this stuff, but if I don't have love, Yeah. yeah. And and that actually because the group I'm talking about now
1: Education for Ministry program that the School Church offers, <clears throat> and we're doing our spiritual autobiographies right now, which you do for the, for five weeks. And our group, you don't comment on what someone says. You don't try and build on someone else's spiritual autobiography. You don't try and solve anything. You just sit there and.
2: There is a way of listening, I believe, that um, gives a person permission to keep talking, to, to not stop, to um, tell me about that. Give me, can you give me more information? Can you share more information about that? And one of the things that, I, something like, I would like to focus on it, but I keep hearing and I keep seeing it in the Bible. Is that Jesus spoke in such a way that they asked him questions? And I'm not quite sure what that is about. You might not Shirley. how to how what is the what is the thing about what he says that causes them to ask questions.
0: You want me to respond? Yes, please. <laughs> to go to a place to get my hair done. And um, these were young people. So the music blasting, blast and uh, get your freak on this place. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes I was doing Bible study at my home. I would be sitting there. I'm trying to catch up on my Bible because i got to teach this in a few minutes. And so I'm sitting there reading my Bible and the hairstylist that was doing my hair she would do this and I get some people she would teach me. You know, the doctor's trying to kill me, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And she used to wonder, why doesn't she say more? So I'll just say, okay. What I found out is every time I came in that shop, she would ask me questions. I would never give her more than yes, no, and whatever. And like that particular day, I said, okay, let's go over area here, nobody's over there. We're gonna pray. wild. So, you know, I'm going to, first time in London, I just wanted to go to church, so. Got on a train, found the church, they had told me, you're not back by 12 noon, we're going sightseeing, like and we're going to leave you. So I'm just trying to get out of the church. After i have gone, listen to the sermon, and I, an old lady walks up to me and says, you're supposed to be downstairs. I'm thinking. How do I get down there? She said, let's take those steps. And I go downstairs. The younger woman grabs my hand. Would you like some tea and crumpets? I had no chance to say no. She puts it in my (laughs) hand. And then I'm trying to get away from her because I'm thinking about I'm going to miss the tour. And so I said, let's pray because I'm trying to get away from her. And I did this prayer. And she grabbed my hand. and She said, no, I'm angry. 10 hours on the flight from San Francisco to I walked out of the church saying to God I didn't ask you for all of this but she she told me some things about people that I would be reaching. she had no idea some of those people were in my Bible study she had no idea I never even I never acknowledged to her what she said was a confirmation I never did and I usually don't. The way I look at it is either it's a word for me or it's not. So I don't have to say nothing to you. You know, if you confirm something to me, I just say, well, thank you and bye. And I don't say a word. I don't need to. God is giving me a message of confirmation of something I have asked previously. And the
2: discussion question. Again, is how, how would I, we, be able to support and inspire each other to persevere and enrich the public life on a daily basis, an arena in which we the people, in quotes, move beyond mere words to become an embodied experience. Kind of what you were talking about, surely, is experience. It's an embodied experience. It's, it's so that's stories. Mm-hmm. It's what?
0: Telling our stories.
2: Yeah, telling your stories, um, knowing that you have a story to tell,
0: and being.
2: And that's really important for all of us. That's the agency part of what he talks about somewhere else. Um, That we have have a voice that's worth hearing and and we have agency to speak it safely. He talks about, and I didn't put this in my typed up part, but he talks a lot about parenting and teachers, which I found very interesting. I, I didn't go back and look for what those exact comments were, but it had to do with training and discipline and freedom and discipline. The given the, the take of freedom and discipline. The freedom is not, you get to do whatever you want, it doesn't matter.
0: And, uh... Well, our book club actually discuss this book for four hours. So two hours uh, one Sunday afternoon and the next month two hours the next Sunday afternoon. So there is no way to get all of this on this podcast. But what I did want to do here is to mention two things that Parker Palmer uh, concluded with We have two environments, the religious environment and the educational environment that still is presenting to all of us as if we are an audience as opposed to presenting to us as if we are actors participating in the act. And so with that, we are creating hierarchies and other things that may not be as necessary as what we think those are we are too dependent upon a few instead of a we the people to make decisions in both our religious institutions as well as our um, educational institutions. And therefore, we need to revisit how we're, what we're saying and how we're doing things in both of those environments. He'd, advocates for us to do self-examination. And so I will quickly run through some of the things and ways that he's suggesting that we examine ourselves. First of all, we must acknowledge that some of us project onto strangers, those who do not look like us, the darkness that resides in our own hearts. And then we must admit that some political powers are there and purposely manipulating information to protect a certain interest group. So there are groups that have interests in certain things that they want to happen to generate revenue for those groups. And so sometimes there are political powers in place to make sure that particular group interest is protected. And But not necessarily we, the people, are protected. We need to also place, uh, we need places and events to bring diverse people together. So a very similar thing is our book club, because our book club is a mixed group of people. And we purposely come together to discuss the gaps that are in society and read books that are very factual, mostly non-fiction books so that we could better understand how we can be as citizens uh, and also how we can do a better job of building relationships across cultures and nationalities and ethnicities. The other thing that he brings out is that higher education tends to teach us what to think, not necessarily how to think. And then also, it trains us how to be employees, but not necessarily how to increase the quality of our heart habits. Do we dismiss people whose opinions we do not value? Do we actually make people irrelevant based upon what we value and what we think to be is? the truth? Does our theological messages match lived experiences? So, in other words, does our theological messages actually match what we truly believe and whatever standards of values that we say we believe in? Are we so hooked on hierarchical authoritarian models that we cannot create community because we prefer doctrinal unity over community? Do we hold safe spaces for all voices to be heard in a group? Or do we control the conversation with our opinions and our philosophies? source is invisible, but the impact of what flows from it is very visible everywhere. So what is in our heart truly does come out, regardless of what we say we believe, what we truly believe does come out in conversation, in the ways that we behave, and in our lived experiences. In America, he mentions this, and I thought these stats were actually sort of funny. It says that we love entertainment greater than we love education. So 73% of Americans surveyed could name the three stooges, and only 43% of those surveyed knew the three branches of government. That is amazing. He went on to say that white privilege denies oppression and the ego prevents accurate hearing and accurate sight. So that's very powerful that our egos can actually prevent us from hearing and seeing properly. He has suggested that if we start gathering in small groups of people, to have difficult conversations, that actually will allow for personal nurturing and professional integrity at the same time. And we could even have some results that could influence the world. And the last thing he mentions is spiritual to physical violence is rooted in a failure to have compassion lack of empathy, and respect for others. This is a lot to think about. Parker J. Palmer brings out a lot in Healing the Heart of Democracy, the courage to create a politics worthy of the human spirit. I hope you have enjoyed this book. A lot to take in, but also a lot about how Our democracy depends upon our personal hearts and how we collectively are able to accept our diversity, respect our diversity, and love the freedom that a democracy can give all. This is Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap. You have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. we have just enjoyed uh, Parker J. Palmer's book Healing the Heart of Democracy. And next time, uh, we will discuss They Came Before Columbus, The African Presence in Ancient America. And this is by author Ivan Van Sertima. I hope you have enjoyed "Bridge the Gap. We have enjoyed bringing it to you. Uh, if you would like to send us any messages, I'll uh, feel free to send one to coach at eewfcares.com. And that's E is in Edward, E is in Edward, W as in Webster, F as in Fay, C-A-R-E-S.com. Always wonderful to have your comments. Okay, have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.